Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. We're talking to C.J. Powers, who's professional writer and director. I'm sure he's done producing as well in uh, production management here on the podcast. Talk about um, mastering a craft, because I think that in, because the majority of people, C.J., that are going to listen to this podcast, for the most part, work in faith-based media in some way, shape, or form. And they don't understand that this isn't just a ministry, it's a craft to be learned, right? Yeah, very much so. Um, I can certainly speak to that. Uh, do you want examples from the writing side, from the directing side, from the producing side? Where- well, okay, <laughs> let me, okay, I'm gonna say this to all, all of our listeners. Uh, and CJ and I talked about this a few days ago when we were setting up uh, appointment and a time to, to you know, enjoy this, uh, to, to enjoy this conversation. I said, I want CJ, you have such a, a breadth of experience uh, and a diverse amount of experience that I don't think we can get it all done in one uh, conversation. I want to have you back uh, each year. So what I'd like to di- dive into right now for now until another season and another conversation, CJ, is, is stories or stories and uh, writing stories and writing and then we'll we can deal with directing because you got to have a script to to work from you don't have to with documentaries you can have an outline but for any kind of narrative film you need to have some kind of script to work from and such so talk about stories talk about craft talk about writing so writing there are a ton of books out there uh, that can help a person move forward I would say that there's probably only a handful of authors that you clearly find out they actually know what they're talking about. But I don't like giving out which authors and which books to read because I like the person exploring it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell in his book was talking about how you got to master anything. You got to come up with 10,000 hours of experience. And there was another author that talked in a similar fashion They said that if you read every book on a subject, you can, depending on the topic, most of them, you can read every single book within two years. At the end of that two years, you become an expert as far as the knowledge goes, you know, as far as the knowledge set goes. The key then is, okay, I can glean all the information I want. Now the key thing is, how do I practice it? Because if you practice it in the wrong manner, you're going to end up with junk. If you find the right way to practice it and you find a way to explore it so you're continually learning new things as you go, you're going to always come up with some great, inspiring story. Excellent. You know, the other part of that, to make that happen, is work ethic. That was the other theme I wanted to talk about, is sure. that you, you, you don't just read it or talk about it. Well, even the, the guys that say, I have this perfect idea and it just came to me. There's got to be a work ethic. What I have worked uh, up until the last three years, I worked almost every, every week, all the time, uh, for 40 years on my craft. 
uh, of directing, but producing is, you know, the logistics and putting all that together and how do I get to a shoot far, far away and how do we get back with the footage and the story? <laughs> sure. Okay. That's what that is. And that's still part of giving me choices as a director. And right. a lot of times I'm also the writer, etc. A work ethic. So many people just sit and wait for the train to come down the station when they should be, I don't know, packing their luggage or whatever analogy you want to use for this. You, you need to have a work ethic. And this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. This is what you want to do for the change of analogies. If you want to do this, and it's the only thing you can think of doing for the rest of your life, great. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So how do you prepare? Well, you know what? People either have a work, work ethic inside of them or they don't, right? I, I believe you can build one. Okay, uh, all right. Because I, you know, I was in an excellent position growing up because I could watch my dad and he already had a work ethic that was beyond most. So it was nice to witness that. But at some point I had to decide what was my work ethic going to be, especially in the area of film. And a little bit later, story. Uh, because I'm more of a story person today than a film person, although I still love film and I still you know, produce and direct, but, but writing has become the first kernel that, that seed that creates this tree that starts moving in a certain direction. And I really like participating in that part. Directing decides which way the branches are going to go and so on, you know, and then hopefully the actors and all the head department heads and crew and so on, you know, they sprinkle in all the, the fruits and everything else within that big apple tree. Mm -hmm. but the story is what develops the roots and sends it down deep and gets the nourishments to come in and really helps the audience to comprehend something they need in their life. And for me, story is where it starts. Number one, the story has to have a beginning, a middle and an end. And I know that sounds absolutely silly to you because you know that like the back of your hand, <laughs> But believe it or not, uh, Steven Spielberg was talking about millennials one time, and he was basically saying, and, and this is not a direct quote because I don't remember his exact wording, but he basically said that he noticed with most millennial filmmakers that they tend, when they create a story, they tend to create a beginning, a beginning, and a middle. And they just don't comprehend that your beginning has to have an end to it and the middle gets you from the beginning, works you through the obstacles and gets you to that end point. Yeah. And they don't get it. They usually come up with the beginning followed by a beginning followed by the middle. So they don't even have an end. They just have this thought provoking middle that doesn't go anywhere. It never, I think the quote even has something like they have beginnings that never stop in, uh, that never end. They just <laughs> yeah. Begin, begin, begin. Something like that. My favorite director is Billy Wilder. Uh, of all the directors and he was gold in the 1950s all the way into the early 60s with the apartment. For those of you that don't, don't know, Sunset Boulevard, Double Indemnity, um, Some Like It Hot is another one, Witness for the Prosecution. The Apartment, again, is an absolutely wonderful film uh, as well. Sabrina, the original Sabrina, which probably should never have been remade, but you know, people do it. Uh, <laughs> and he, and late, late in his life, he was, uh, he had this art collection. He had an art collection that he had put together over many, many years. 
and he decided to start selling his piece, pieces of art. And in one auction alone, he got $14 million for his, for his art. So Billy Wilder did not need to worry about money anymore. Uh, the money issue was all taken care of right there. So he was teaching and speaking at a master's class in Hollywood. Um, and it was supposed to be a small group of, of people by invitation. And all of a sudden, the room was jammed with some of the top directors and screenwriters that one could ever imagine that had won Academy Awards. They all wanted, it's, it, it was like coming to uh, listen to Obi-Wan Kenobi or even Yoda. I mean, in fact, <laughs> in some ways, Billy Wilder looked a little bit like Yoda. And uh, he says, there are, there's three parts of a story. Here is your format for a screen story. Introduce your character, put him up a tree in act two, and act, no, no, introduce your character, put him up a tree, in act two, set the tree on fire, and in act three, get him down from the tree. In other words, you've, you've described the situation. In act two, you have created conflict. How will this person get down from the tree that's now on fire? And then at the end in act three, you get them down from the tree that's on fire and everyone goes, oh. And I thought that is just the simplest, best explanation I've heard of act one, act two, act three, introduce, conflict, resolve. And I thought that was brilliant. Well, and he started out as a writer for 15 years before he even directed. So yes. we know he knows story. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that, um, that I have uh, kind of lived by, you know, the whole concept of the beginning, middle, and end. Not only do the stories I tell have a beginning, a middle, and an end, but the scenes within each story have to have a beginning, a middle, sure. and end. Sure. And as I look at that, I know that there, there are two things that um, really drive a story because without it, there really is not story as far as I define story. But you have to have a main character who has a goal. He has to make a decision to take action. And that action has to be something that forms or causes a consequence. Now, sometimes it's not a consequence. Sometimes it's just conflict. But whether it's a consequence or a conflict or both because sometimes they're the exact same thing. That is the stimulus that gets you to the next part of the story. So without a goal, without action, and without that conflict or consequence, you do not have a story. And that has to be in every single scene. Otherwise people are like, okay, why is this scene in the movie? So I call this the, the goal, the action, and the conflict or consequence. I call that the GAC principle. So G-A-C, GAC. And if every scene has GAC, if every sequence has GAC, if every story or film has GAC, you're able to move forward and drive the story forward with the audience wanting to know what's next. The other thing, the second thing that all stories really need is what I call the yes-no. Sometimes we call it the give-take. But as you're building out your 90 minute or 110 minute movie, 
there has to be moments where the protagonist is about to achieve their goal, but they don't. But then they will. Oh, but then they don't. Oh, yes, they will. No, they won't. That give and take, the almost there and not quite there, the yes, the no, if you keep on going back and forth between those patterns, the audience will be at the edge of their seat wanting to know how the film ends. That is excellent advice. And you know what? Yeah, that's just excellent, excellent advice. And it just, it, it just, com it's like the attraction. It's like the shiny object or the carrot in front of the horse in the sense of something that's desired. And the audience wants resolution to this. And if you keep delaying it and delaying it with give, take, yes, no, and then finally give it to them in some way, shape, or, or fashion at the end, they'll come away satisfied. And Especially if it, you give it to them in a way they don't expect. Ah, a way they don't expect. Because uh, the audience's mind is very sharp, and they figure out things very, very early. But then if you do a twist, is that what you're saying? Yes. I think every film should have a minimum of three twists in it. Uh, I think the first turning point in the story should be a twist. I think the midpoint of the film could be a twist, but certainly the second turning point would be a twist. So those, those are the three that I think every film should have. Excellent. So the end, of act, the end of act one that launches you into two would be a twist that gets you there. The midpoint of act two to get you past the beginning of act two into the second half of act two and the reason that's so critical is because most films die in act two if they don't have it. And then when you launch from the second act to the third act, having a twist there, that too is powerful. I talk in my classes about denouement, uh, that's sort of the settling action at the very finish. It's, it's the climax has happened, and then we resolve maybe the last few uh, threads that need to be tied up and finished, and everyone can let out their breath and such and people uh, seem to like that idea as well you just don't want in with the huge climax climax fade to black and then the credits roll it's just like everyone can catch their breath now and okay we we get it oh it wasn't that good and then you you with the music or whatever is up on the screen and the dialogue will lead you to okay uh, we're finished now and wow that was really good a french term that that's that's wonderful. And sometimes I think screen, screenwriters forget to just let everyone uh, catch their breath at the very end before we finish it. Is that about right? I think you're right on. You know, that's one of the biggest controversial issues in filmmaking today is do you leave them hanging so they don't have time to resolve the issue and have it figure out how it fits into their life? but instead they're just jolted by your moment or do you give them time to appreciate and to reflect on what just happened and what they just experienced and how does it relate to my life? And can I hold on to that? The, the reason star Wars all end with a nice epilogue like that is so that you have time to say, okay, what did I just see? What, how did that fit me? What, what, can I take from that for my own life? Because I notice the friendships on the screen and things like that, or the fast and the furious series, they always have good epilogues just to remind you that how tight knit those characters are as family, even though they're not true family, they are a family. 
And it allows you to think, wow, yeah, I, I can be a family to someone else too. You know, it allows you to seep that in, in and to embrace it as your own. The films that have these stark, subtle, you know, um, I, I said that wrong. <laughs> the films that have the, the stark or the um, jolting ending that just suddenly doesn't finish and that's supposed to be the moment in and of itself that is supposed to have a climactic end to it. There's no resolution for the audience. They either think, wow, that was startling or nothing. They don't walk away with, wow, I, I really feel like I need to start doing such and such in my life. In other words, startling someone or jolting them, a lot of short filmmakers you know, we'll do a, a first and a second act and then just leave off the third act because you're supposed to be startled by the moment. And it's like, what's the takeaway for the audience? Mm -hmm. And if the, if the filmmaker is honest, there is no takeaway. Yeah, the audience will say, wow, yeah, that was cool because it was, it startled them and it was this fun little moment. But will they ever watch that show again? No, because they can never be startled again. And there was nothing in the film to give them as a takeaway. So there's no reason to ever watch that again. And they come away dissatisfied. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Finish, finishing up our time. Great conversation with uh, CJ Powers. You can find CJ uh, at cjpowersonline.com. cjpowersonline.com. Really good blog. He goes to a lot of movies and has reflections on those. If you want to be up to date as to what his thoughts are, uh, and his reviews, really great stuff. And um, I, I was looking down at some of the topics, life, leadership, filmmaking, behind the scenes, media and society, interviews and reviews. There's a lot there. And uh, if you check in with uh, what CJ is writing, his observations, reviews, uh, insight, he has great insight on story structure and directing. Uh, and in another season coming up, we will come back have another conversation with CJ and we'll talk about directing. What are the aspects or the, the, the talents a director needs to have um, principles of coverage and, and blocking out scenes and all of that. And if you don't know what I, I, I just said, then you really do need to listen uh, to, to CJ talking about directing. That's for sure. So you can find CJ at cjpowersonline.com. CJ, it's been great having you here for the podcast today. And also, I would say, I ask this of almost every guest on our podcast, is there something I haven't asked you that you, you know, that you really wanted to say or something that's, that's on your mind? A last thought. You know, if you're going to ask me to ask you to ask me a question, that doesn't quite work for me. <laughs> but I will say this, that, Craig, I have followed you for a long time. I appreciate all that you do for the students as well as uh, the professionals that you meet in the world and those overseas as well. And I have admired quite a bit what you have done. Uh, and I, I have one of your books now that I'm diving through. So I just want to say that I appreciate you probably more than most of your audience does, just because I've had the opportunity to actually take some of the things I've learned from you and put it in my tool belt for my future. And I really appreciate that. So thank you for having me on the show. That is very gratifying. Wow. Um, and as a film professor, CJ, there will be a test on Friday. I just <laughs> also, I need to mention something about CJ. He has a wonderful book. He has a number of books, but the one that I 
would that I'm going to tout for the moment is it's called Notes from the Napkin. Notes from the Napkin, and it's got wonderful uh, advice and insights uh, from uh, you know CG. Just get that book, and uh, I'm I know you can get it on Amazon.com. I know you can get it on his website and grab that. The more resources you as aspiring uh, creatives, I like that word creatives, uh, the more resources you have, uh, more bu bullets in your gun, so to speak, without the violence in inferred, the better uh, you're going to be at learning and mastering your craft. CJ, thanks for uh, being with us today and look forward to a future conversation where, well, man, we're going to get off the, we're going to get on the, the, the diving board way up high and go into directing. How's that? <laughs> Sounds fine. I appreciate the invite. Thank you. You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.